Hey, what's up, you guys? My name is Grace Lauren Taylor, and you are listening to Episode 3 of the Trauma Dump Podcast. Thank you for joining us. Here at the Trauma Dump Podcast, we seek to answer the question, what is mental health, and how do I take care of my own, and how do I support others? This week, we will be discussing the topic of self-harm and how to fight off the urge of injuring ourselves. If you or anyone you love suffers from self-harm or self-mutilation, you are not alone, and you are worthy of love. This is a safe space for you to share what you've been through and get help. In the description, we have so many resources, and I just want you to know that you are loved. The Crisis Text Line can help you deal with self-harm. Text a crisis counselor at 741741. They are available 24-7, and it's completely confidential. Self-harm is not something you should ever deal with alone. Help is always available, and you are worth the effort it takes to get better. If you'd like to share on the show, please message us in the podcast Discord, along with your unique experiences, and we will match you to the right episode. I am not a licensed health professional. This podcast only seeks to create community and further understand of difficult topics that are often misunderstood. If you or a loved one are in need of medical professional help, we have resources in the description. The topics discussed here are for a mature audience. Viewer discretion is advised. The definition of self-harm is pretty much in the name. When we injure ourselves on purpose. Many people self-harm for various reasons, including trying to get that deep pain on the inside out. Or at least that's why I self-harm. For me, the physical pain is what makes the emotional pain seem more real. I have found that I've gaslit myself constantly about my emotional pain, and it wasn't until I made that emotional pain real, physically, that I could actually acknowledge the emotional pain and the emotional turmoil that I was in. According to the Cleveland Clinic, self-harm is when you injure yourself on purpose. It's also known as non-suicidal self-injury disorder. People who self-harm do things to hurt themselves, but don't want to cause death. Now, this may or may not be true for many people. I myself know a lot of people who self-harm to try and prevent themselves from committing suicide. Reasons why people may self-injure is to help them cope. Some people self-harm because it feels good to them to prove that they can tolerate pain or relieve negative feelings. It's also to direct emotion inward. Some people self-harm to punish or take out their anger on their self. Some people self-harm to punish themselves or to take out their anger on themselves. Some people also self-harm to communicate with others that they are in distress or in need of support. It is important to recognize that people of all ages, backgrounds, races, and religions self-harm. It's not just one group of individuals that do so. Self-harm is far more nuanced than what the media portrays it as. So please, don't feel shame about it. Instead, let's acknowledge the pain and get help. Because we deserve to be taken care of. 
especially when we're hurting. The media often portrays self-harm as a young teenage girl with so much angst, and to relieve that angst, she cuts. Now, this may be true for a lot of people, but for some, this minimizes the true impact of self-harm. Self-harm is a negative coping mechanism for managing extreme pain and distress. For many, it's a sense of control and relief, but it doesn't last for very long. When my dad found out I was self-harming, he described it as a short-term solution for a long-term issue, like putting bandage on an open, gaping wound. He also strongly discouraged me self-harming, and he told me in a pretty severe tone that me self-harming was harming him and that it was very hard to see someone he loved so much hurting themselves. According to Cerebral, many report that just delaying an urge to self-injure by several minutes can be enough to make the urge go away. One way to increase the chances of a distraction or substitution helping calm the urge to self-injure is to match what you do to how you are feeling at the moment. Cerebral has a coping with thoughts of self-harm resource and I will be putting it in the description and also in our discord. Sometimes when we feel angry instead of self-harming we can do something like squeezing ice or tearing something like a sheet of paper. Another way to cope in a more healthy way could be to exercise, start to lift weights, go for a run, or go in your closet and scream it out. Cerebral also reports that how pain affects the self-harmer is part of the reason it can become an addiction. Part of why we self-harm can be a coping mechanism because it's how our body processes and reacts to pain. When your body encounters something that can damage it, the nerve endings in the affected area send emergency signals to your brain. One of the things that your brain does in response to those signals is to release beta endorphins. These chemicals trigger these chemicals can trigger a domino effect that makes you feel better for a short time. But the effect does not last very long. So people who self-harm can often self-harm more and more to try and make themselves feel better because of these beta endorphins. The national healthcare system in the UK says that there is evidence of a clear link between suicide or suicidal thoughts and people who have previously self-harm or who continually self-harm. However, not everyone who self-harms wants to end their life. Some people describe their self-harm as a way of staying alive by responding to or coping with severe emotional distress. It's important to find the right support or treatment to help deal with the underlying issues in a less harmful way. This is really hard for me to admit, but 
I've tried to commit die several times and I've been hospitalized like twice for several weeks. But I'm very glad that I'm still here. I'm very glad that I can share my experience because I think it's very important. And I think it's also crucial for me to share my experience to help end the stigma around self-harm and suicidal ideations. Because to be quite frank with you, I've had suicidal ideations since I was in middle school. And I have self-harmed since I was in middle school. Suicidal ideation is part of the human experience, whether or not we like that. The concept of death and what happens after we die and where we go is all-encompassing of the human experience. But that does not mean that we should not get help. That does not mean that we shouldn't try to get better. <clears throat> we should. And I'm trying to get better. I take solace in knowing that I'm not alone. That other people feel the way that I do. And that I'm not crazy <laughs> for how I feel. Mind.org.uk is a site from the United Kingdom that has many resources for mental health-related issues. They state that any difficult experience can cause someone to self-harm. According to the NHS, there are many possible causes of emotional distress, and it's often a buildup of many smaller things that lead people to think about self-harm. Some of these things can be pressures at school or work, bullying, money worries, sexual, physical, or emotional abuse, bereavement, homophobia, biphobia, and transphobia, a breakdown of a relationship, a loss of a job, an illness or health problem, low self-esteem, an increase in stress, difficult feelings such as depression, anxiety, anger, or numbness, confusion about sexuality, loss, being in contact with the criminal justice system, or experiencing complex mental health difficulties that sometimes cause impulsive behavior or difficulty controlling emotions, often due to past trauma. So the human experience can lead to people self-harming. Whether or not we recognize it, which is what this podcast is for, is for us to recognize and to relate to one another, self-harm is part of the human experience. You know, I was a nanny to four boys for seven years, and I witnessed it. No one taught them to hit themselves. They were never spanked. One of the kids that I nannied, whenever he got so frustrated, would start to hit himself in the head, and it shocked me because it was something I did as a kid, and I still did to this day. I still do. I hit myself in the head whenever I'm really frustrated. When I self-harm, 
it was always because I felt like a failure. Like nothing I would ever do could ever be good enough. I started to self-harm frequently at the age of 12 when I was getting bullied in middle school. I went to an all-girls school and it was a college preparatory school. And the pressures were high at that school. And because I am disabled, I had letters of accommodation from my doctor, from my psychiatrist, and the school had to follow them. I received extra time on all assignments and every test I ever took, I could take by myself in a room. And that was very helpful for me. And some girls <laughs> found out that I was getting extra time. I never told them. I don't remember how I found out. But I think, oh yeah, I remember. I turned in an assignment, I think a day after everyone else was supposed to. And one girl said, Are we, aren't we not allowed to turn in assignments late? Why does she get to? And the teacher said, Grace has a disability. And this caused uh, uproar with this girl. Um, and it eventually led to her shoving me down the stairs and bullying me with a bunch of other girls and eventually cutting off like hair on the back of my head, literally taking scissors to the root and cutting. And so I left that school. <laughs> I was uh, very traumatized, to say the least, by that. You know, I already felt less than because I needed extra help on things. And they really just made it worse. I was constantly called a teacher's pet, fat, ugly, that I was faking my disability, that I didn't need extra time on my assignments or to take tests in a room alone. And so I started to cope by slamming my head in the wall repeatedly over and over till I got hematomas, which is a brain bleed, a bruise on your head. I felt like I was stupid that if I hit my head hard enough, then maybe my brain would start to work like everyone else's. But that's not the case, clearly. I discovered that some people self-harm in areas that are linked to previous traumas. I was a pretty chubby kid off and on growing up. I have severe hypothyroidism that, was, that I was diagnosed with at a very young age. Hypothyroidism is where your thyroid gland does not function properly. And your thyroid gland controls things like your metabolism, your body temperature, and your digestion. Mine didn't work. So sometimes I would be extremely bone skinny and sometimes I would be really chubby and it would constantly fluctuate. And when I was in middle school, I was pretty chubby. And so <laughs> I was getting bullied pretty heavily for it, but not just by my peers, but also by my brother's friends. It got so bad that I stopped eating for days on end. 
in middle school and in high school. I would just not eat, like, at all. And I think the longest I went without eating solid food was, like, a week and a half. I think the only thing I consumed was uh, applesauce. (laughs) And when I could no longer afford not eating, I became a vegetarian because I so desperately wanted to be thin. I so desperately wanted to fit in, to not be bullied. Starving yourself is a form of self-harm. And any eating disorder in general can become self-harm. Forms of self-harm include things that not only physically hurt you, but also mentally hurt you. Many of these things go unnoticed by others, but they're still very common. One way is constantly talking shit about yourself or self-deprecating behavior, calling yourself names, blaming yourself for things out of your control, drastic mood swings and lashing out, self-sabotaging, withdrawing from enjoyable activities because you feel like you don't deserve it, participating in risky behavior, drinking excessively or doing drugs that alter your sense of reality. Those are all self-harm. The physical signs of self-harm are more likely to be noticeable, like cutting, burning, bruising, scratching, and pinching. It's important to note that those who experience abuse at home are more likely to self-harm. If you know someone who has a rough home life, or if you have a rough home life, I want to challenge you to be kind to them and be kind to yourself. You know, we never, we never know what others could be going through. And People around you will never truly know what you're going through until you tell them. The best thing we can do for ourselves and to others is to be kind. Now, I'm not saying accept mistreatment or abuse, but be kind. Show kindness to others wherever you go. You never know what kind of impact you could have on someone else's life through just a small act of kindness. I just want to say, if you do self-harm as a way of bringing attention to yourself, remember that there's nothing wrong with wanting to be noticed and wanting to have your distress be acknowledged and taken seriously. You deserve a sympathetic response from you deserve a sympathetic response from those around you, including medical professionals. If you need a safe space to share the difficult things that you are experiencing, please message us in our Discord. We can help, and you are worthy of helping. In therapy, my therapist created an emergency care plan in case of a mental breakdown that could result in me harming myself or taking my own life. It included all of my emergency contacts, safe people to call when I'm in distress, 
the plan of what to do when I couldn't get to them, and ways to distract myself from the pain. In our Discord, I have a care plan from Cerebral that you can use whenever you're going through hard times. It's incredibly helpful, and I suggest you take it out. The best way of healing from self-harm is seeing a mental health professional, like a social worker, an occupational therapist, a counselor, someone trained in talking therapies, a community mental health nurse, which is a nurse with specialist training in mental health conditions, a psychiatrist, which is a qualified medical doctor with further training in treating mental health conditions, a psychologist or a psychological therapist, which is a mental health professional who specializes in the assessment and treatment of mental health conditions by helping you talk and express your feelings. I personally go to MetroCare. If you're in the DFW Metroplex, it's a free or reduced price health clinic. They are extremely affordable and they're private. They also have free medication for psychological issues like depression, bipolar disorder, anxiety, and so much more. When it comes to helping a loved one with self-harm, it's important to be gentle. When it comes to helping a loved one with self-harm, it's important to be gentle and be mindful of triggers. It can be very difficult to find out your loved one is hurting themselves. But my advice is always to ask first before trying to help them. A way you can ask is, how can I support you? What do you need from me? You are not responsible for getting another person to stop self-harming. So please don't put that on your stead. You are not responsible for getting another person to stop self-harming. So please do not put that on yourself. Instead, be available to listen. You never know how showing you care can change a person's life. It's important to stay calm and patient. We need to stay patient with others' recovery process. It can become very frustrating to give all we can and see them fall back into their patterns of hurting themselves. It's important to recognize those patterns of hurting themselves are coping mechanisms. And the best way we can help them out of those coping mechanisms is providing them with new, healthy ones. If they relapse into self-injury, please, please, I implore you, don't give up on them. And please don't take it personally. Rather, continue to encourage them to get professional help. And above all else, let them be in control of their own recovery. You've got this. If you need support also, please tell them and make sure it's mutual. You don't need to be a therapist friend. Friendships are supposed to be mutual. So if you feel taken advantage of, or if you feel like you can't deal with their stress anymore, let them know. 
but in a kind way. It's important to share our burdens with one another. Calm Harm is a free app that provides support and strategies to help you resist the urge to self-harm. Tell Me, that's T-E-L-L-M-I, is a free app that provides resources and fully moderated community where you can share your problems. And of course, our Discord server. I promise, things will get better once we try. Progress takes time, and even a step in the right direction is a step away from the wrong one. You've got this. If you need someone to talk to, please join our Discord. We want to know you and support you. I want to know you. You're not alone. On a lighter note, today's meme of the week is from our Discord, from Gay Fucking Rat, or K-A-T-A-E. E-T-I, which K-T-I? I don't know how to say that. <laughs> and it's like one of those memes where it's a girl and she says, oh my gosh, you're pretty talented. And the guy's like, no, I'm not. And then the brain is like, you suck. And the guy's like, oh, so true. <laughs> Just a quick reminder before we part, this podcast seeks to forge a strong community so please don't hesitate to join our Discord to share with others and for podcast updates. In the Discord, we have so many different channels of discussion with various topics that include more than just trauma. We wish to create a place where you can be heard, so please join us. You are needed and appreciated, and we'd love to meet you, know you, and support you. Remember, you're capable of fulfilling life in spite of your circumstances and your trauma. May you rise again from the ashes and be filled with peace, love, joy, and understanding. Thank you so much for listening. I'll see you next Sunday.